Welcome to Beyond the Show, the interview podcast that brings the educational experience of Cannabis Conference to the airwaves. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Conference and Cannabis Business Times. In this series, we're excited to highlight the world-class operators who will be speaking at the event next month, August 24th and 26th in Las Vegas. You can learn more about the show at CannabisConference.com, and you can go beyond the show, of course, by subscribing to this podcast. Today, we're talking with Oliver Blechner, the Executive Vice President of Business Development at Jushi. Oliver brings over 20 years of principal investing and corporate finance experience to his current role. Prior to Jushi, he was the Senior Portfolio Manager at One East Capital Advisors. He has previously held several senior roles at hedge funds, including Chief Investment Officer of the Polygon Distressed Opportunities Fund, Research Director at Alden Global Capital, and Partner at TPG Credit Management. At Cannabis Conference, he will be speaking on the panel, Merger and Acquisition Lessons from Multi-State Operators. That's what he and I talked about in this interview, specifically the fun side of M&A, in Oliver's words. So please enjoy my conversation with Oliver Blechner. We were just talking about how the past few years in the cannabis M&A space have been very dynamic, very up and down. And you've been in the cannabis space for those past few years. So with that stage set, as it were, maybe a good place to start might be your entrance into the industry around 2018, uh, after a few years in the more traditional investment space. What drew you in? Yeah. Um, look, firstly, great to be here. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, it's good to talk to you. So let's see. You know, for me, it was a, a, a number of factors that really came came together. Firstly, I'd been on the investing side in, in a hedge fund or private equity firm for many, many years. You know, I'm a 98th graduate of, of Wharton. I did five years of banking for my sins and then luckily got pulled to the buy side to do, to do investing. And investing is magnificently interesting and fascinating. And my sort of main activity was investing in companies that went through restructurings, um, sort of some big bankruptcies in the US like, uh, like Caesars, et cetera. Um, but the environment for that was getting getting less interesting. So, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, very, very interesting. A lot of things to do that are, you know, both profitable and fun and intellectually engaging, which is what gets me going. Um, by sort of the end of 2017, that looked more and more boring. At the same time, actually, the, the gentleman who had given me my start on the buy side is Jim Cassiopo, who's our CEO and chairman here at Jushi and have been a mentor of mine for, for many years. He started successfully investing in cannabis and, and started Jushi. So I had not heard about the cannabis opportunity in the U.S. at all um, until Jim called me and said, hey, we started this company. Would you like to would you like to invest? And I came here and took a look and just said, this is a this is a generational opportunity to help shape an industry that I think is going to be a huge force for God, but also will really shape how retail and consumer goods are, are, are looked at in the United States. I would compare it to the end of alcohol prohibition um, earlier in the, in the 20th century. And here's an opportunity to do that with people that I know and trust that I've seen be successful before and do it from, from the beginning. So, you know, it's a, I think at my stage, I I'm, I'm suppose I'm somewhere mid career. It's a huge privilege to be able to make that switch. And I'd always kind of been excited about the idea of starting an operating company 
from scratch, not just, you know, moving money around or sitting on creditor committees. So yeah, that was my start. And it's proven out to be everything that I had hoped it would be and, and more in terms of how fascinating and fun it is to operate in. Yeah, I think um, I, well, I certainly agree with that. And uh, I sort of started going down this path already, but I wanted to, to sort of highlight that word fun. You also mentioned intellectually engaging. I think those are two really good words slash phrases. Um, what are some of the more fun elements day to day when you're doing your work at Jushi and either looking at deals or thinking about future deals or just working more internally? Um, what is or what are some of the more fun elements of this space right now for you? Okay, I think that's going to be a longer list of things. So I'll do it stream of consciousness. And let's, see, <laughs> let's see where we go with this. Um, one, it is fun um, meeting sellers of assets, me- meeting operators and entrepreneurs, seeing what they've built, um, meeting the teams that they have um, sort of behind them in, 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 in running assets and figuring out what makes a good deal good. So... You know, typically, I'd say in in private equity, for example, you're kind of dealing more or less with the same type of seller. Right? If you're if you're a private equity firm that that specializes in medium-sized companies, you run into medium-sized companies that are maybe owned by other private equity firms. But you, you typically run into professionals from sort of one ilk or the other. But it's all fairly similar. Here, very wide disparity of people that we that we deal with. There are, you know, very very professional groups that run their companies, like you'd find a, you know, a Fortune 1000 company being run. Um, you know, people who've had um, success in the past and serial entrepreneurs who know how to build and, and sell companies. You also run into a lot of, you know, here's one, um, one owner fell into a license been operating in, I don't know, making it up in, in California for the last six, seven years. One dispensary has never sold a business before. doesn't know what an LOI is. doesn't know what an SBA is. doesn't know what seller notes are. And you have to, op, you know, you have to be able to, to deal with all of them and, and craft agreements that, uh, that, uh, that make sense and that are win-wins, right? The good deals are win-wins. Seller's happy, buyer's happy. You can't force people to sell stuff to you, so they have to be happy by definition. So I'd say that the personal interactions are, are great. I enjoy meeting the teams behind that because it's, you know, it's an opportunity. A good deal is an opportunity to do something good in somebody's, in somebody's life. So you know, we recently announced the acquisition of Nature's Remedy in, in Massachusetts. They operate a grower processor in Lakeville and two very high-performing dispensaries. Um, immediately clicked with the executives, but then really got excited. They have 120 some employees really excited when we met the employees and see how proud they are to be there. And doing a deal means, well, we're gonna bring these people and this business into the Jushi family. I know how great it is to be here. I think we're an amazing company to work for. And it's fun to see sort of the mix of nervousness at the beginning and then the excitement of the employees there in in working with us um secondly so i'd say that's all one point secondly because there isn't any um interstate commerce really we have to look at each state it's it's actually like operating in europe when you invest each state is a country has totally different rules 
you know, the number of dispensaries you can own, the amount of canopy you can have, um, the type of, um, I'd say, supply and demand of, of assets, the development of the state, is it medical, is it good medical or bad medical in terms of economics? Um, is that likely to change or not? So you have to know a lot. The analysis in California is very different to Illinois, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Massachusetts. So it's just, um, it is a vast amount of knowledge that you need to have. And I love learning. And people on my team love learning. That gets us excited. So there's always an opportunity to learn. And you know what? We obviously know a lot more three some years into it than we did before, um, but we're still learning pretty much every day. So that gets me excited. I, I, I want to develop um, as, a, as, a, as an investor and as a leader. I want the team to develop in their ability to, uh, to, do, to do analysis and make the judgment calls. So that's, that's kind of there every day. And then thirdly, maybe this is similar to point one, um, but it's more internal focused. You know, a good deal has the buy-off and the sign-off and the buy-in, I think is the word I'm looking for, of many of our teams internally, compliance, legal, operations, the retail team. So we interact and sort of touch every aspect of our company. And it's wild. We were five people three years ago. Now there's, you know, if you look at the quality of people that we were able to attract and continue to be able to attract the kind of people that I get to interact with and also learn from and uh, I hope they learn from from us as well. It's just fascinating and interesting. So yeah. And then the economics, you know, the last point is the economics are just extremely favorable. It's um, I've looked and invested in industries pretty much across the globe, certainly on most by every continent. Um, across a wild range of, of industries. These are the best underlying economics that I've ever seen. And so the combination of interesting and profitable and we're doing something good, that's, I mean, what could be better? Yeah, these are good things. And, you know, as others on your team can attest, uh, uh, members of the team that I've spoken with, you know, it's been fun to watch the juicy story unfold over the last few years. Um, I'm going to eventually sort of circle back around to that zoomed out uh, underlying economics idea, but I did want to touch on the Nature's Remedy acquisition because it's, it's recent. And I think it's a good example of what you're going to be talking about at Canvas Conference and, of course, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, you started us down that road, and so what I was going to be I was curious about was um, that, uh, that integration idea, the, the cultural fit. Um, you mentioned uh, sort of immediately clicking uh, with the team out there. Um, could you maybe paint a, a picture of what that looks like? And um, again, a lot of this is intangible in a way, but what does a cultural fit look like? And what does that gut instinct feel like when you are in those meetings and having those conversations early on? Yeah, it, it, it's a good question. I want to say up front, we haven't closed on the acquisition yet. So we're waiting for regulatory approval. So integration isn't happening yet. That can only happen once we actually, once we actually close. But of course, you think about um, both organizations and how will they how will they mesh together? So um, Nature's Remedy in particular is a really good fit. Um, in meeting, you know, the CEO and some of the board members up front, what I noticed is okay, these are they're people they've built businesses before, they've run bigger businesses before. So we spoke the same language when it came around to talking. Um, terms and and a term sheet. It was just you know really very easy. I also found 
um, I like to be, everyone negotiates, right? You try and get a good deal for yourself, but I think in order to be taken seriously, you have to be, you have to be honest. You have to understand that negotiation is a repeat game, but you get a reputation on the street, so to speak. Sellers talk to each other, executives in the business talk to each other. And what I found was there was a good, good give and take, intelligent give and take. You know, they made fair points and we agreed to some of them, um, not all of them, and the other way around. It was just, it was just easy. And, you know, that describes maybe more the negotiation process than the actual companies. When we then went um, on the ground, we saw, okay, culturally, this is a really good fit. Um, they've done a good job hiring very um, experienced professionals that are excited about what they do. Um, they're led by a CEO that has um, sort of similar attitude and principles to, to ours. What's important? Be excited about what you do. Um, wake up, do, do the best job you can possibly do. Um, be honest. If you make a mistake, hold up your hand, ask for, ask for help to fix it as quickly as possible. Um, hold yourself and others to a really high standard. And all that was a given there. So it, 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 it meshed extraordinarily well. And actually our view is um, in this transaction, we won't have to make many changes at all. I mean, right now, Jushi has exactly zero employees in, in Massachusetts. And really when we, when we started looking at when we started looking at Massachusetts again, we looked three years ago, we looked two years ago, and then we started kind of again towards um, Q4 of last year. What we wanted to find was a well-run business that, that we can integrate. And this is a well-run business that we can integrate. And integrate actually means don't make that many changes. Yeah, that's a good thing. And uh, I might even uh, take that word and, and tilt it into a, a different meaning here. And uh, I'm thinking of vertical integration is another aspect of this story too. Maybe a little yeah. uh, cheesy segue there, but uh, I think that plays an important role good. here. <laughs> You're keeping me on your toes. Like, uh-oh, what's he going to do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, of course, I mean, vertical integration is just, it's been, uh, it's a major concept in this industry and the rules or requirements maybe governing it, they obviously differ from state to state. So just from Jushi's perspective, as you're looking out at other states, and again, maybe we can take this as an example, uh, the Massachusetts deal. Um, what is the importance of a vertically integrated business model, both for Jushi, uh, but also just in 2021? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try and roll that up. There's, there's a lot sort of packed into, it sounds like a short question, but there's a lot that's, that's really packed into that. So I'd say vertical integration in, in my mind is not a religion here. It's not something that you absolutely have to do in every case. You do it in, in the cases where either you have to, in some states you have to, in Virginia, we have to. Okay, easy. We want to be in Virginia. We think we have one of the best licenses in the US is our license for HSA2 in Virginia because um, it covers two and a half million people. It's only us at the moment. We can have up to six retail. Um, it's, it's sort of a really nice position to be in and it makes it worthwhile to invest CapEx because we know the return is going to be there and we can bring um, patients and customers in Virginia, a really great product. Um, but, you know, in other states, you have a choice. Pennsylvania, you can be just in retail. You can be just in cultivation and production. We actually started off as a company um, focused on limited license retail. Because intellectually, that's easy to grasp. Okay. 
I'm in a city or I'm in an area, there's a limited number of licenses. And if I have a really good license and I'm in a good location and I build a good product, this ought to go really well. Understood, got it. Um, it then took us some time to evolve, right? One of the things that happens in businesses as you, as you go along, you learn things. So, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, where we have the right to open 18 dispensaries and we're opening them up as we, as we go along, um, once we reached sort of a, a certain critical number, I don't know, maybe around five or six, what we found was Pennsylvania is actually short flour. There isn't enough flour to go around for, for every store. And even though our team, our commercial team was doing a fantastic job getting great product into the stores, it was a struggle every time, right? So there's, there's nothing more frustrating for a customer than coming into a store and the product isn't there. It's by the way, just as frustrating for the retailer. You want to sell when a customer comes in and you want to be able to have that continuity, right? The customer knows I've come in three times, that product's always been there. Fourth time, that product better still be there too. So um, Pennsylvania is really where we made the strategic decision that it made a lot of sense for us to be vertically integrated um, because we have the confidence. We know how much is selling in our stores. We know how many more stores we're going to open. Um, it's a lot easier I think to spend money on cultivation and production when you know how you're going to reach reach the customer. Um, the other thing that could be scary about cultivation production is the numbers are just bigger. So to outfit one retail, depending on how you do it, 500k to a million and a half, you might get one wrong. You might put it in the wrong location. It might not work. Okay, you've sunk 500k to a million and a half. Cultivation production is, I mean, much bigger numbers. You're talking, when we do it in the scale that, that, that we do it, you're talking double digit millions. Um, so we really have to feel our way into that. We found the right transaction. We executed on it. You know, this was a, what I would call a distress transaction in a, in a tough environment for, for the industry. This is, I think we announced in, at the end of Q2 of last year, and we closed, I think in July or August of last year, which was still, the cannabis spare market from a fundraising perspective. And we actually managed to raise the money for this. So, um, and we've been executing what I would call a, a well thought out, but hard distressed turnaround in that asset. But it has shown us, we've learned from that. We've learned that when you have good outlets and you know where it's going to go, the product is going to go, it makes a lot of sense to be vertically integrated. Um, Massachusetts being vertically integrated actually makes a lot of sense as well. Um, you have currently a limit number of, uh, of retail stores. The state has been sort of rolling them out slowly. And I think you've seen that in, in other states as well. So over time, more and more retail is going to open up. What does that mean? Well, realistically, it means it's not as though the stores that we're acquiring are going to be the only stores in the market that are protected from further competition. There are more stores opening. It's just a fact. Um, so more competition for retail, but more customers for the wholesale side. So it's nice to have both, both in the portfolio. It also really helps in terms of bringing great product to the market and, and into your stores. So we like it, but it's not, it's not religion. You know, we don't wake up in the morning saying we must be vertically integrated in, in every market that we look at. We'll do it where it makes sense. So like everywhere, we try, and be, we try to be well thought out. We try to be practical. We try to do things that make a lot of sense, that have good upside, limited downside, but we don't do it religiously. Yeah, and, and sort of, uh, you know, zooming out from there as we're just talking about different states, and you mentioned a, a bit of a, a bear market in cannabis not too long ago. 
um, you know, here's another broad question I'm trying to fine tune in my head, but uh, in the summer of 2021 here, um, you mentioned the good underlying economics of cannabis. And it certainly seems like 2021 is a different year than last year. And, and maybe that's the story every year in this industry, but what are some of the big changes or big trends maybe in M&A, but, but also just uh, economically in cannabis that you've been watching this summer that might be different from the recent past? Um, yeah, really good question. Broad question. So I'll, I'll try and kind of zoom back in on some aspects of it. Firstly, M&A markets generally are driven, very often driven by availability of capital into an industry, right? So when capital becomes available, you see more M&A activity. Um, it's obviously easier to spend money when you know that you can raise money, right? If you, I don't know, make up a hypothetical company, you have a limited amount of cash, you never know, you don't know when your next cash is gonna come in. You're gonna be very careful about what you do. That's just what happens in M&A. If you have a strong balance sheet, you might be like we do, we have a very strong balance sheet. Um, lots of cash, very little debt. We can see through tough periods if you do that. But generally for an industry, it is much easier for M&A to take place when, when capital is available. And that's really what happened in this industry. I mean, you can look at the fundraising numbers in Q4 of last year and Q1 of this year, billions were raised for the industry. So M&A is, is going to happen. I think for most companies of size that can still make um, acquisitions, meaning that haven't tapped out maximum that they're allowed to own in, in any given state, it makes sense to continue to, to acquire. We're certainly built on, you know, one of the pillars of this company is M&A and continued M&A. And we continue to have a pipeline that makes, that makes sense to execute. Um, at the same time, what happens is when a market gets very, very hot, and I think it's fair to say that cannabis equity markets became very hot in Q1, and sellers' expectations move up as well. Right. And if you see something just go parabolically up, 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 expectations go up, 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 up. So, yes, it's easier to do deals when you can raise money, but the price goes up. So you have to find a, a happy medium somewhere. So right now, for example, is a pretty good environment. Um, certainly for us, we've raised the money that we wanted to, 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 to raise. Our shareholders have shown confidence and, and trust in our ability to continue to, to execute at the same time. Um, the, the stock environment has been, has been more volatile. It isn't just straight up. Um, and I think that brings discipline back into, into the market. Um, and I think one of the reasons, um, that's one of the reasons why you're seeing M&A transactions continue to, to take place. There's some, there's some consolidation that needs to happen at, at, at the larger level, but there's still so many smaller players in so many states for whom it makes sense to sell to an MSO like us. Um, you're just going to continue to see M&A transactions take place. Yeah, just uh, in a general sense, and, and from that sell-side perspective, um, and again, it's a case-by-case situation, obviously, but but as a, as a potential seller or as a hopeful prospective seller, what are some ways that you can make yourself either attractive to prospective buyers or just noticed by buyers? Yeah, I think to be taken, I think as a seller, you want to do everything you can to maximize the, the, the attractiveness of your, of your business, right? When you're listing a house, you're taking pictures of your house when it's been cleaned and you're taking professional pictures and you get a professional broker to do it. 
Um, that doesn't mean you're dressing it up and you're showing it as something that it isn't. You're showing what you have in, in, in the best light. So having your financials together, ideally audit it. That's nice. Um, but having it together, having your data room together right, that has all your main contracts, it has all your compliance materials, your, if you're a grower, it has details on your harvest. You can make a transaction a lot easier up front by actually investing some time to, to get all the information together that, that, that you can have. Um, and I think other than that, it's really, if you have a good business and you run it well, it, it, it just shows immediately. So I don't know, it's, I think, we're, I think we're really good at kind of seeing through any smoke and mirrors. Our job is to see reality for what it is and then um, do a transaction based on, based on the reality if we, if, we, if we like it. So I don't know what a seller is supposed to do. Well, uh, and looking ahead, and I realize um, this may be a question where reality turns into forecasting in a way, um, but just from your vantage point, um, how far out ahead in time are you looking at whether it's Jushi's goals or, or market trends and, or how far out is too far where you get sort of lost in, in forecasting? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think you have to have a little, you have to have an eye towards the future somewhat, right? So you have to think a little bit about, okay, what's the world going to look like if, um, if cannabis becomes legalized at a, at a federal level? It might lead you to conclusions like, huh, I probably shouldn't have too much outdoor growing capacity in Massachusetts. You know, it's going to turn out that California is going to be a better place better place to grow, right? Pick, pick the places where wine gets grown professionally. Those are probably going to be the good places for, for, for outdoor growth. So um, particularly as you're making big CapEx capital expenditure decisions on growth, you, you have to think about that. At the same time, you, you can really get lost in um, sort of, if you're always thinking five or 10 years down, down the line, a lot of things aren't really forecastable. I mean, who knows what the world is going to look like in in, in five years time, particularly in, in this industry. So I'd say focus is sort of a year to, to, to two out. Um, you know, some opportunities come to us in, in different ways. Some just, you have to be report, opportunistic. Somebody contacts you, I get a LinkedIn message or I get a phone call or I get an introduction by, by a friend or what happens more and more, a seller that's had a good experience with us tells a friend, the friend hears about it and, and calls, up, calls us or referrals. Um, and sometimes it's things that we haven't really thought about before, but they sound interesting. And so we start thinking about them. Others are really strategic where we say, okay, um, I'll give you an example. Illinois, we have four very high performing stores. We'd love to have some more. Um, we'd love to be vertically integrated in, in Illinois. Okay. We have a list of all the independently owned grower processors. You can assume we've had contact or having contact with all of them. And maybe one day a transaction will come together. In California, we currently have two open, two opening um, retail for four total. Um, it'll make a lot of sense to have 10 and have purchasing synergies and really be present in what is the largest cannabis market in the United States. In Nevada, we have a small cultivation and production business. It's going to make a lot of strategic sense to vertically integrate, but this time backwards. So having retail in Nevada um, would make a lot of sense. And I think we flagged to the market that we're looking at these markets and that they should expect us to, to, to do that. So I suppose it's a mix of things that are immediate 
and then some things where you think about, okay, if I do this deal, what does this mean for me in two years time? What are the upsides? What are the risks? Um, but without getting lost. We're, we're in a growth business. And I'm thinking, what are the great growth stories of the, of the past? Amazon is a good one. Um, Facebook is another one. You could have gotten, you know, at any moment in time, 15 years ago, 14 years ago, 13, 10, you could have gotten lost in all the things that could possibly go wrong in the, in the distant future. And had you done that, you would have missed some really amazing investing opportunities. I think it's a good, uh, a good metaphor to keep in mind. Um, and, you know, sort of looking ahead to, to the conference itself, you know, we've done a lot of M&A panels over the years uh, from both sides of the transaction, um, from more of a state of the industry perspective. And obviously it'll be a, a fairly diverse audience from both MSOs and uh, uh, you know, single operators, um, folks who are interested in getting into the industry. So, you know, this is a question I always end interviews with and realizing it's a, a bit of a mixed bag in the audience, um, just demographically. But what are some things that you're hoping audience members can take away from this session and sort of bring back as action items to their business uh, after the show? Yeah, I, I would hope that a number of messages come through. Firstly, when it comes to me, my team and the company that we are serious company, serious players in the industry that we're going to engage with, with, with sellers in an, in an intelligent and fair way that our reputation really matters to us. And, you know, we may or may not come to an agreement, but I would really like for everyone to, to walk away from or come away from dealing with us and thinking, hmm, this is a really thought out and, 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 and fair group of people, number one. Number two, um, M&A can be a great opportunity for a seller um, even in businesses that are still growing um, to participate in what is likely a more diversified and a higher growth opportunity in a, in a, in a company like ours. So, um, you know, if you have one asset, really your, your entire net worth um, is likely tied to that one asset, something goes wrong, that's, that's not so great. Um, we often run into entrepreneurs that then look and say, hey, my business is still growing massively. And by selling now versus later, I'm really giving up on that growth. That may be true, by the way, if you're selling for cash. And a lot of sellers want cash. Actually, less so now than, than maybe um, two or three years ago, in, in my observation. However, if you're doing a deal for stock or largely for stock, really what you're doing is you're, you're exchanging one equity for another equity. And what really matters is, okay, what's going to provide you better upside down the road and what's going to provide you better better downside protection. So it's just a way of saying there's another way to think about selling. Selling could actually be exchanging an asset, right? Your stock in one company for stock in a in a in another company that can be that can be very, very beneficial. And obviously we'd like to get a to get a first call if somebody if somebody is there. I'm also looking forward, I don't know if the forum is going to provide for it, but it'd be great to get questions from the audience. That's just my kind of personal, I like, I like engaging with the audience. Well, we will definitely be making that happen. It's a nice, uh, engaging atmosphere out there. We're just excited to have it in person, frankly. I mean, that, that yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. Great. Definitely. So, yeah, Oliver, we're very excited to have you out there um, and uh, very glad to, to have you on the podcast here. I think this was a, a great conversation about a, a very important and dynamic topic, uh, to your point, uh, fun and intellectually engaging. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to think about it. I really appreciate this. This was my first experience with a participating in a podcast, not just listening to it. And I'm, I'm glad I did this. Thank you.
And that's a wrap on episode six of Beyond the Show. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Oliver Blechner of Jushi. Again, he'll be at Cannabis Conference next month, uh, just about exactly a month out from uh, the day this episode is going live. He'll be speaking August 25th, that's day two of Cannabis Conference, on the panel Merger and Acquisition Lessons from Multi-State Operators. So we're very excited to have him out there speaking on that panel. And you can learn more about the entire schedule and the entire roster of speakers at CannabisConference.com. You can also pick up registration information there as well. Registration remains open and will continue to be for the next few weeks, as well as on site. Check out CannabisConference.com. Stay tuned to the podcast in the coming weeks. We're coming out every Friday morning with a new episode leading up to the show and, you know it, beyond the show. <laughs>